Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Talking Trading. I'm financial journalist Caroline Stephen. Great to have your company. When Anton Destuna suffered a crippling back injury, he didn't realise how his hobby for trading the markets would ignite into a fully flamed passion. Flat on his back and unable to move around, Anton persevered with the markets as a means of survival. And he's now a prospering share trader regularly pulling out handsome profits. We hear more of Anton's story later in the show. Louise Bedford urges everyone to do one thing each week to improve your share trading in mind power. And Niv Dargan from Peak Asset Management shows us how to identify that next winning IPO. But first up, here's a trading quote of the week from Chris Tate. to survive long enough in the markets to make a profit? The market is a cruel paradox in that most people don't survive long enough to be profitable. Those that start to survive for any length of time become profitable. The longer you survive, the more profitable you become. The more profitable you become, the longer you survive. It's a little feedback loop that most people don't get. And most people come and go long before the feedback loop can kick in. And now Mind Power with Louise Bedford. Nobody tells traders who are beginners that for the first few years when you're trading, you're going to have a huge fire in your belly and you'll be all revved up. But in the beginning, your results will be somewhat of a disappointment to you. Look, the thing I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart is that every great trader has gone through what you're going through right now. Those great traders have suffered the creeping doubts, they've been worried they won't excel, and they've ripped their hair out because they felt so freaking frustrated that they weren't making the money that they felt they deserved. What people don't tell you is that the greats in this business have all been through a phase where they knew they weren't performing at the top of their game. They knew they were falling short. The thing I want you to know is that everyone goes through this. You aren't alone. What I want you to do is to do one thing each week that improves your trading. Maybe it's putting the finishing touches on one part of your trading plan, hunting down a successful trader who will act as a mentor, or even putting on another trade, even though you've just experienced five losses in a row. Find and do one thing this week. It's only by repetition and focus that your results will become as big as your ambitions. In my case, I took so long to work out this game. It took me a while and it will take you a while too, but it is within your power to do so. This game will only be won if you persist and chip away at it bit by bit. Don't let the results of your yesterday 
dictate your motivation for the future. Just take the next step and the next step and the next step. Trading success is closer than you think. Anton Destunas was a corporate cat who was excelling at his job when he suddenly suffered a spinal injury and found himself lying flat on his back, unable to move or work. The share markets rescued him, not just financially, but mentally and emotionally. They became his passion and his means of survival. We talk to Anton now to hear his trading story and how, in spite of his spinal injury, he's learnt to financially thrive. I started by asking him how he first got involved in share trading. I got involved, uh, Caroline, at the um, when the GFC broke out. Uh, I always had an interest in the financial markets, but never really had the time because uh, I was busy with life and my career. And uh, and at the strong insistence of uh, my uncle, who was a self-made millionaire from the market at 35, he strongly suggested I get involved, and I did. Um, he taught me. He was a, a contrarian at, at heart and uh, taught me some sort of uh, principles around buying good stocks at, at a really good price. I sort of, it was only later that when I developed, started to trade for a living that I then really invested in my education and, and um, got to understand the importance of trading plans and uh, all of that. Why is trading so important to your life now? I guess a little while ago I, I, I suffered a, a a back injury which prevented me from being able to work and uh, at the time both the injury was um, uh, inconclusive and the prognosis you know indefinite so trading has not only provided me with an opportunity to earn an income whilst I'm unable to work but it has also helped to keep my mind tight and and you know, just really give me a, a purpose because I went from being a very busy corporate cat to having all the time in the world every um, with nothing to do but lying flat on my back. So in that process, you know, subsequently it's actually ignited a, a, a passion for the markets that I didn't have previously and I only developed as a result of uh, that experience. So... It's really been a a lifesaver in uh, a number of different ways. How important is the trading psychology? Hugely important, Caroline. You know, I um, I never really understood it until I went through my experience, and because, as I said, I you know I'm I'm a very sort of uh, cognitive person by nature in the way that I roll, and so I'm, I'm. you know, I always just thought, well, you know, you buy stocks when they're cheap and you sell them when they get a little bit higher. It's just common sense. There's no sort of psychology involved. I, I used to hear uh, Louise bang on about it quite a lot, and I never really understood what it meant And uh, until I went through uh, my experience. And um, it was profound on a, on a number of reasons because I guess on a macro level, I didn't really at the time, understand how what happened to me with my back was going to change the course of my life to the future. So I totally underestimated the impact that the event had on my mind and and, and my emotions and and, uh, everything else. 
And obviously, I switched from trading for, you know, almost as a hobby initially mm. to trading for a living, which, you know, raised the stakes enormously. And it was the first time that I actually started to lose money. Again, I'd, I'd you know, I'd hear... So a the first for, time it was actually going to be your only bread and butter, you started to lose money in the market. Correct. correct. And it started doing my heading because I'm thinking like, I'm the same person, I, it's the same mind, I'm, how can my share portfolio, you know, be rocketing and and my CFD portfolio going the other way. Um, and it was almost a, a mirror image, you know. My shares were up 80% and my CFD got to a stage where I lost 85% of my float, you know. And and um, I remember talking to Louise about it at the time and, and she urged me to just step away, take time out because clearly I was highly stressed, very emotional, angry, frustrated and it was impacting on my trading and causing me to ordinary, take trades I ordinarily would have, but also when I did take them, not, you know, adhere to basic money management rules and just 101 trading violence. What advice would you give to someone who may be going through a tough time? Look, there, there's... <sighs> The Bible says that um, a man without uh, a vision shall perish. Um, <laughs> the number one thing that I would say is that you've got to keep believing in yourself. You've got to keep trusting. You've got to keep that dream. You've got to not lose your goals, you know, and whether that's down the line or immediate day to day, you've got to stay focused on on that. You know, you can't sort of drop the ball and think that, that it's the end and, and, you know, because very, very quickly if you do that, you, you spiral into such a negative cycle that it just permeates, you know, every aspect of your life. So certainly understand where you're at would be the first thing, you know, come to grips with it and if you need some professional help to do that, by all means, um, and then identify, you know, some some strategies and some coping mechanisms to, to get you through the, the transition phase. But most importantly, never, ever, ever lose sight of your goals and, and your dreams. And secondly, I mean, it's important to have a, um, a, a great support network. And, you know, for me, that's been my, uh, my doctor, uh, Dr. Summer at the Spine Institute in Melbourne and, and Louise, um, has been just a fantastic help in, in terms of uh, encouraging me, understanding and, and supporting me where where I'm at. Um, and I've been very blessed to have a great family and, and um, a few close friends that have really stuck by me. So having the right support network is uh, absolutely critical. Just very quickly to wrap up, how much has Louise helped you through this journey? Oh, she's been, um, yeah, terrific. We, um, I've known Louise now for probably about um, a little over three years and she's been terrific for me because in, in some respects our uh, experiences share some strong parallels. So, you know, the old adage of it takes one to know one is very, very true. So, is you know, I, I find that when I have, when I do speak to her, she totally gets where I'm at and, 
And, um, you know, as I say, I mean, her, her technical, you know, help with, with trading has been absolutely fantastic. But, uh, um, you know, additionally, I mean, just her support and her encouragement um, to continue believing, to, to keep trusting, to, you know, keep pushing forward. And she's just such a genuine person. You know, she's always just, you know, maintained a, a personal interest in my journey and where I'm going and how I'm doing. And, and that, it, it means the world. It really does. You know, when, when your whole uh, life has sort of exploded, to have someone like that so genuine and, and um, you know, sympathetic is enormous. Thanks so much for your time today. Very welcome, Caroline. Thank you. I'm Gary Stone, founder of ShareWell Systems. With over 25 years' experience in the share market, I've learned some valuable lessons. I'd like to give you my free special report, Five Smart and Simple Ways to Grow Your Super Faster. It will change the way that you invest your super forever and protect you from major market falls. Visit etfman.com forward slash talking trading and download your free special report now. Take control of your investments and ensure that you have enough super for retirement. Go to etfman.com forward slash talking trading right now. Identifying the next winning IPO can be hazardous. And Niv Dargan from Peak Asset Management shares with us today the five key ingredients he looks for in a winning IPO. How to identify the next winning IPO? Let's start off by asking, what role does management play? Management plays a very, very critical role. For every IPO that we do undertake, it is really important to sit down with management in the office, see what they've done in the past, um, see what their future aspiration is, see, understand what drives them, what motivates them, what's a strategic relationship for the IPO, where, where, they, where they believe the company is going to be. So what we look at is obviously the ability to deliver on their words. We look at what they've done in the past and we do take that to what they've done in the past and really trying to get a grasp whether what they say they're going to deliver will actually become an outcome. How important is it for the overall sector of an IPO to be hot? Sector is very important. Medibac is in a great sector. In the, in the healthcare sector, the other sectors that are going very, very strongly right now is the telecommunication sector. And the other sectors that are going very, very well right now would have to be the technology sector. So, I mean, what we are seeing is that those IPOs within that sector will actually outperform relative to those IPOs, for example, right now in the mining services or in the mining or in the oil and gas sector. So to answer your question, Caroline, the sector that the company is looking to list on the ASS is, is crucial for performance. What about scalability? Scalability is a very, very important question. And, and what, we look, what we talk about when we're talking about scalability is the ability of the company to not only take it from the Australian market, but actually to scale that business and scale the operation into markets such as Europe, US, Asia, South America, etc. So when we are looking at scalability, how scalable is that business? How scalable is that product? And just to give you an example is Uber, right? Uber is a very, very scalable business because obviously uh, uh, there, there, there's a lot of issues in the taxi business right now and the regulations, but they do take that same concept, i.e. ride sharing, to 
Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane. Sure, there's different regulations, but they're able to leverage off the same principle to scale that business internationally. So that's why Uber's been so successful. Competitive advantage. You know, when we're talking about competitive advantage, we like management and really understand what differentiates your business relative to what else is out there in the marketplace. What makes you strong? What drives you? Um, why is your product or your service better than everything else out there in the market? What is your unfair competitive advantage? An example, I'll give you an example, is Instacart in America. And Instacart is a company that has recently raised about $200 million in, in, in the US. Um, they're a grocery application. And investors basically, all, I mean, imagine, Caroline, if you're out having a dinner party and uh, you asked your lovely husband and said, hey, honey, can you please grab some groceries for me or grab some chips? We're running low. And he said, honey, uh, we're, um, I'm too busy catching up with, uh, with Ned. So <laughs> the beauty about uh, Instacart is you can actually get your groceries delivered within 60 minutes or an hour to your house. Right, that is a very, very strong competitive advantage because there's no one else there in the market that is able to offer what Instacart are, are doing right now. So that's so. To answer your question, the competitive advantage of a business very, very important when we're looking at the next IPO. Is Instacart available in Australia? Not yet. Not yet. I mean, you've got obviously companies like Pandora, Netflix coming into uh, into Australia. But to, to answer your question, Instacart isn't a company that, uh, in Australia. Having said that, we do have Australian companies that have just recently floated on the ASX. And one that we were part of is a company called Crowd Mobile. And Crowd Mobile is all about. It's listed on the on the Australian Stock Exchange. The, st- the stock code is CM8. And what they do is they're a company that is microblogging. So. You can basically utilize your, your mobile phone to send SMSs and ask questions and answers. And the business is not only in Australia, but right now in Europe, in Asia, in the US, they're making about $2.2 million in EBIT. Um, peak clients got in that stock at $0.16 cents per share, and currently the stock price is about $0.21, $0.22 cents per share. So it's a really nice return for investors, but this is an example of a competitive advantage. The business is scalable. We like the sector in the telco sector and we met with management and that, that was very, very important. We were very impressed with what they had to say. Valuation, how important is it? Look, when you're looking at valuation, you really have to ask yourself, am I paying too much or too little for this business? So when you're looking at valuation, you have to look at the multiples of the sector. You have to look at your EBIT, i.e. your net profit. You have to look at your margins. So at the end of the day, when you're looking at the valuations of a business, you really have to look at, A, what the competitive advantages are. Is the business scalable? What sector is it in? What are management saying? Is there any growth in that business? So, I mean, when you're looking at the valuation, are, you, are revenues actually increasing by 20 or 30% year in, year out? Or uh, is EBIT falling? Are the costs increasing? So I'll give you an example. For the IT sector, Caroline, usually the IT sector, companies that list on the ASX bode a valuation of about 12 to 20 times earnings. So what that means in simple English for our listeners is if, if the business was making about a million dollars in net profit or EBIT, let's just say, they, the market capitalization, the market valuation should be traded anywhere between 12 and $20 million dollars. Okay, in the food and grocery business or consumer staple business, the normalized multiples for businesses is between eight to ten times. So, if the same business was making a million dollars in net profit, the valuation should be closer to eight or ten million dollars, right? So, each sector 
within the ASX bodes a certain multiple or a certain valuation. So from our perspective, it's really, really important to have a look, obviously, how the business is going, is the business scalable, what is the competitive advantage, what sectors are hot and running, running strongly, and are we confident with management's ability to actually execute what they actually say they're going to execute on? Nib Dargan, is there anything you'd like to offer our listeners? Absolutely, Caroline. Look, we've got a special offer today. We'll send you the link to our special listeners. Uh, it gives them access to the market morning market note, the peak market note, and also the afternoon note. And also, we do send out the trade recommendations to our listeners, and we also send out any deal flow, IPOs, or ca- capital raisings that investors may be of interest. So uh, sign up uh, for free to get access to that. Nib Dargan, pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Caroline. Thanks for having me. And that's all we have for you today, guys. Stay tuned next week to hear one of Chris Tate's favourite authors, Meredith Jones from the USA, on her groundbreaking research on why female money managers generate higher returns. I'm Caroline Stephen, and on behalf of the team, thanks for your company. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to TalkingTrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary and expert opinion. Tune in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. Bye for now. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation.